Testing, testing, one, two, three. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Questioning Mark podcast here at Raha International School. Sorry if there's an echo. We're in a new studio. We're in Carlos's art room, so we'll see how it goes. And today I have the privilege of being at a professional development seminar session here at Raha. It's about leadership, and I have, uh, I have the leader of that, pod- of that uh, professional development with me right now, Mr. David Port. How are you doing, David? I'm doing well, thank you, and really happy to be here. Uh, thank you so much for joining the podcast. And like you're saying, this is the first, your first podcast, is that yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, uh, trial by fire. Let's see, how, uh, let's see how it goes. Can you first, uh, who are you? What do we need to know about you okay. as, a, as a person? <laughs> well, <laughs> I know that's a big loaded question, but... Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, um, there's nothing special, I think. That's probably the first place to start, really. I'm, I'm like, like, like most um, people in, in international schools, I'm ridiculously passionate about young people and their learning, and, and I've, I've loved working with teachers throughout my career, and I consider myself very uh, privileged to have worked with some phenomenal classroom practitioners. Um, I'm, I'm a husband and father. I, I've been married for 30 years, uh, and I've got two daughters, okay. 25 and 23. Talk and really loud, just in case. All oh right, sorry. And they, they both went to international schools, um, yep. and we, my wife and I are very enormously grateful for the, the impact that those professional teachers made on, on our daughters' lives. And, and Was that now, a risky move when your daughters were going to school? I know now, kind of the buzz is international yes, education. Yeah. Was it always like that? Uh, I, I, I don't know, actually. I mean, I, I first got interested in international education when I studied for an MBA. I'd okay. become a head of a school in the UK and was interested in learning and thought an MBA would be a good thing to do. Right found an international MBA in educational leadership and met some school leaders from international schools. And I thought, wow, there's this, there's this whole world and out there that I didn't, I had no knowledge of. And that's what first got me interested in the cross-cultural uh, learning that comes from working with people who are, who are from different parts of the world. And, right. and the, the rich excitement that that brings. That, that, I wanted that for, not only for me, but for my family. So we, we were lucky, we, we moved uh, to Singapore. Okay. And I, I, interestingly, my daughters were in the school where I was the head. So okay. I was not only their dad, but I was also their head teacher. <laughs> and when they were little, they loved it. But when, when they got to be teenagers, they would often say to me, Dad, look, can you just not come and talk to us, please? Because you're a bit embarrassing. Okay. So, I so think that's, that's interesting. Kind of, um, I don't know if you know the character, Mr. Rogers. Do you know, do you know of this? No. TV no, no. presenter. In the States, there was a famous TV host called Mr. Rogers, and he was kind of in the homes of, well, anyone from North America growing yeah, up. Yeah. And in, in the show, uh, in the movie with Tom Hanks that's out now, they described how his children didn't say that to people. You know, yeah. they had someone in a position of leadership, in a yeah. position where people respected and listened to their opinion, and you think, wow, you have that amazing resource in your yeah. house, you must be tapping into that all the time, and they... No, they pushed away from it. So did, did your daughters push away from that sense that, no, don't talk to me like the, yes. like the head? <laughs> yeah. In fact, they said when, when they were at senior school in their kind of, uh, you know, working towards the IB diploma uh, grade, they would say, Dad, can you, can you just not speak to us? Um, actually, can you just not even come near us? And don't talk to our friends <laughs> because, you, you know, 
when you're uh, you've got little ones, you're right. really cool. But yeah, yeah. When you when you've got teenagers, you're completely not cool. Well, uh, <laughs> hopefully, I've got a bit cooler now as as um as they're in their twenties. I hope. I'll have to get them on the podcast now and get their perspective on it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now I do know because you mentioned to us your your passion is leadership. Yes. Studying it. Yeah. Why did that come about? Has it always been that way? Um, I think so. I think as a as a student at school myself, I always enjoyed making a difference. I, I've always been, I think, somebody who's been relatively restless and dissatisfied with the status quo. And I've often thought, actually, we could make this better. Right. How, how could we do that? Don't know the answer, but I'm sure that there's a better better way of doing this or a, a, a better future. So when I trained as a teacher, and I loved it actually, I really enjoyed being a classroom homeroom teacher, it was fantastic. But I was, all, I was really interested in the whole school and how all the, the classes could connect together to influence the experience for the young person. And, and so I was, I was also quite fortunate because I'm a musician, so I, 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 um, I was able to, to get a job quite easily in a school where they needed someone who could play the piano okay. um, and, and I could play the piano. Uh, and then I, I was very fortunate to work with, with several really, really inspiring school leaders who, who took me under their wing and gave me lots of opportunities to try. And, and when it went wrong, they'd pick me up and help me. And when it went right, they'd make me evaluate it. So I got, I got to be a head teacher quite young, really. I was 31, I think. Um, and I look back at that, that kind of forming years, really, and think, actually, I was really grateful for the, the opportunities that, that other people gave me. They trusted me. They, they, they valued what I, I could try and do, and I learned a lot. In your, in your research, have you found that people who are able to speak about leadership like yourself often more than not had great leaders is it is it is it essential that you if if it's not happening that you move on and you and you look for these things that you look for people that can kind of spark it yeah hmm, is it essential can you find it from a book or do you you need these people well i think you could you probably can um but just my sort of personal experience really when I've read things what I find is that I'm reading and that resonates with my experience rather than the other way around and uh, take a a really great book called The Leadership Challenge by James Cousez and Barry Posner Um, and when you read that you think yes yes that's right oh yeah I remember that person they were like that okay and certainly the person the people I wanted to follow were people who talked about leadership and morality and moral purpose and the efficacy of, of, of human agency they talked about that but they modelled it as well you know, they were people who preached water and drank water right? and they were worth following and I hope that I hope uh, that I've tried to exhibit that in my own leadership as well but I can I mean, I won't go into it in the podcast, but I can think of lots of cases where I've made mistakes and it didn't work, or sure. I, I, you know, I, I, I got things wrong, and that's, um, you know, that's just how it was sometimes. Well, unfortunate, 
I do want to know one of those mistakes. Okay. So I do want to know, <laughs> okay. for the staff here at Raha listening that don't have this wonderful opportunity to sit here in the afternoon and you know, talk with all these middle leaders yeah. and wrap our heads around coaching and leadership, what is one of the main things you got to get right with leadership and what's one of the pitfalls? What's one of the things that yeah. it went wrong and try to avoid that? Yeah. Well, I think I, I, the, the first part of that is easier to answer. Really. Okay. Um, I think for leaders at any level, middle, emerging, senior leaders, you know, even the most mature school principals and directors who have many years of experience, it's not about you. Right. The, the purpose of the school isn't so you can have a leadership role. It's because there are young people who need an education. Right? Right. And if you take your eye off that big picture, that the primacy of what you're doing, if you've stopped focusing on that and you start to focus on yourself, then I found that you are on a slippery slope. Okay. So it's not, the first thing is it's not about you, it's about the young people. And the second thing is that it's then about their teachers and their teacher leaders. And what I think you need to do the higher up you go in terms of the hierarchy is you, you're then much more focused on creating the conditions for other people to be the absolute best teachers they can be and be brilliant. Because in the end, that's what makes the school a great school. So sometimes, you, as a senior leader, you need to get out of the way a bit. Right. And perhaps some of the mistakes I've made is I've tried to be helpful, but I was probably interfering. Okay. Or not really empowering and enabling my own team to shine as brightly as possible. Um, it's, it, a, a metaphor maybe is a bit like being a football manager and running onto the pitch and kicking the ball yourself. Right, okay. <laughs> when actually you need to stand back and prepare your team so that they have got all the skills they need and the team ethics to win, to win successfully. And let's slide over to your daughter. So we have 26 and 24? Is that, uh, yeah, I'm close, almost. 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 Yeah, I'm yeah. around that ballpark. Yeah. When they were younger and you were looking at the world that they would step into out of IB, um, yeah. were you as concerned about the world maybe that our students now in 2020, say year five, are going to be stepping into in yeah. seven, eight years time? Or is it different? Where there, I know there are, there's always concerns, especially as a parent yeah. of what's going, the world's going to look like. But I guess two parts to this question. Um, number one, were you as equally concerned as you are now? Yeah. And if yeah. so, what do we really need to prepare our students to be able to tackle yeah. in the future world that's coming at us? Well, they, they are fabulous questions. And perhaps the second one is the question. Right. The question we must wrestle with as educators. Uh, let's deal with the first one first. I think when, when I was younger and the girls were, were, you know, four or five years old, around that age, yeah. we were we were less concerned about global issues, um, but we were much more focused on just kind of surviving day by day in, in many respects. Um, but we wanted our daughters to grow up to be people who thought for themselves and were concerned about others, were service orientated. Uh, that mattered to us. We're, 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 we have a faith and, as a family and that's important to us. 
Um, but we wanted our our, um, our daughters to be to be contributors to a better world in some kind of way that worked for them. And thankfully, um, one of them is a social worker working in a, in an area of, of the UK helping children who are who either don't have parents through uh, some sort of tragedy or, or situation and are, and are looked after by okay. others and they work as a caseworker supporting those young people and I, I, I'm really I really admire that you know it's fantastic it's making a real difference and my other daughter worked for the council of uh, uh, of British international schools for a while and now works in marketing and communications uh, trying to help people do better things and what she really wants to do at some point is work for an NGO uh, in the developing world right and I know that's directly come from when she was in year nine and she was part of a teen action group to raise money and then help rebuild an orphanage in Banda Arche after the tsunami and that that was a life-changing experience sure a teacher organized a trip that she went on and that's changed her life um, you know, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And so yeah. they were prepared through the IB to kind of have that mindset, yeah. that kind of giving or yeah. caring about those yeah. around them and their community. What about our students right now? Is it, is it even magnified? Is yeah, it- absolutely. I mean, you know, without, <laughs> I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but I, I think humanity faces a, an existential threat. And whether it's to do with the, the planet heating up or carbon dioxide or all the technical stuff, I don't, I don't, it's beyond my understanding. I just know from what I see and read that we are on the brink of, of significant problems as a, as a human race. Well, it seemed, from what I hear from Leonardo DiCaprio, it yeah. looks that way. Okay. Well, <laughs> it, therefore, it must be right. Yeah, that's it. But, um, Thankfully, I think when I visit lots of schools, as I do in my work as a consultant, um, I meet teachers and young people who are doing incredibly amazing things to make a difference in their locality. And these young people, these international students, are growing up with this mindset that the world isn't as good as it needs to be. Right. Not even that it could be, but it needs to be. And they are absolutely determined to go and make a real difference. And there's a school that um, I'm aware of in um, in Geneva, where I think the IB was first developed. Sure. Uh, yep. And they are one of their their campuses is developing, in partnership with the United Nations, a curriculum called the Universal Learning Program, and that's all about saying, well. You know, in, in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, what kinds of worlds will our young people be entering and how can we help them make it better than it is? What are the universal skills and attitudes, uh, that kind of ethical understanding that, that young people need? And there's also um, a, an interest, some interesting work by the Organisation for Economic Development. They've come up with a, a set of skills and, and values that they think are, are important for the world in 2030 and one interesting one of those is human flourishing and another is well-being right and they're saying look you know we we need people human beings to flourish and and grow and develop and learn and contribute and care for one another and these are these are hard things to measure 
It's not to do with profit, although that's important. It's sure. not to do with um, statistics. It's to do with values, decency, human beings caring for one another and, and making sure that no one's left behind. It's, it's a little bit Star Trek, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's good. Well, we are at our time. I appreciate your time. Thank you so Thank much you. for taking the moment to come in here and, uh, and let us know what's going on, especially with leadership and how we can help the students here at Raha 2020 be prepared for, hopefully, a brighter and uh, a more peaceful and, well, I can keep going on. So, anyways, <laughs> I am your host, Mark Ryan. Thanks for listening to the Questioning Mark podcast. David, thank you again. We're out. <laughs>